So keep your focus on him this morning. I know there's a few words. I'm going to ask you just to hold that, those words back quickly. But Jesus is glorified. Jesus is magnified. Put, just put yourself a little just aside for one moment. Hey, see him. Behold him. Because without him, we are nothing. He's done it all. And he's given everything for you and me to live a life that is fulfilled and that is free. Hey, Zinzi. <laughs> that is completely, completely free. I, I titled this morning, Why Did Jesus Come? And I know next week, we, as we go into, into um, remembrance of what he He's done for us on the cross, and not just on the cross, but in the tomb. You know, there's a great um, moment in the tomb, and so we can't look at the cross without recognizing the tomb. Can't look at his death without recognizing his resurrection. Because when he said it is finished, what was really finished? And for many of us, and I'm one of them, for many years, all I thought... And that is not a sign from heaven. <laughs> Are we good? For many years, all I thought that what was finished was only what was displayed on the cross, on those amazing movies. You know, Jesus of Nazareth. I don't know. I used to watch it every Easter. Um, and then the Passion came. The Passion of the Christ. And man, I watched that every Easter. You know, and it's all really, really good movies. And it's amazing that one of the biggest parts of his death is his resurrection. And it only ends with like a two-minute scene. The whole movie builds up towards this climax. And it is a climax of the death of Jesus. And then at the end, we all kind of like, you know, I'm weeping. And I'm sure you are too when you watch these movies, and you should, because he did it for you, he did it for me. But then there's this two-minute scene right at the end, and it's like, man, why was it only two minutes when the whole thing was based on the death? And I, I want to bring to you some, some truth from Scripture, because it's not my thoughts. And this truth might shift your whole thinking today, and it might even change your whole view of Easter next week. But you cannot see the cross without the resurrection. You cannot see the death without his life. And his life, it wasn't just before his death. In fact, his life is still now. He raised from the dead so that you and I could raise from the dead. And the fullness of the gospel comes with both, his death and his resurrection. Every finish brings rewards. I don't know, you, if, you've, if you've done any sort of education, you know, whether it's maybe it's a uh, standard one, eh? Ooh. today we call it grade, what, what's standard one? Grade three, there we go, eh? Or maybe you finished matric, you know, or maybe you went further, went to college, went to university. Whatever you finished, it came with reward. In fact, the very nature of God is to finish things. That's why I'll never leave it half done. You know, God created the heavens and the earth, and then he said, it's good. You know, it's finished. And you know what his reward was? He rested. And I'm challenged today, you know, to find rest because rest in today's world, in this busy world, rest is very scarce at the moment. I'm talking about physical rest. I find rest in the Lord all the time. And my wife makes sure of that. She knows me. I'm not in that, in my quiet space worshiping Jesus, then I'm in trouble, she's in trouble, children are in trouble. The world is in trouble. <laughs> it is finished, brings rewards. 
And I'm sure all of you would be sitting today thinking about what you finished in life. Even Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9 that if you finish this race with Jesus, there's a reward. And you finish it well, Mr. P. There's a reward. Jesus himself held the reward before him. The Bible says it was for the hope that lies ahead that he was able to finish even that on the cross, his death. The hope, the reward. And so I, I cannot look at the cross of Jesus anymore without looking at his resurrection because it's the fullness of life that Jesus came for. And I have a question this morning. And I know we've got a, we've got a program that we messed up, but we'll get to the program <laughs> at the end. So ushers, don't forget, we are still going to allow people to worship with their finances. And <laughs> but, um, but this is, I, I, Zinzi, as you worship, leading us into worship, I just saw this is the moment the Lord is here, and he wants you to know the truth. Why did Jesus come? Father, let your word speak into our hearts. Let your word, Lord God, um, we give you permission to work through all our barriers. Lord, we give you permission to work through all our wrong thinking. We give you permission to mess my thoughts up right now. What is not of you, Jesus, whatever we've been taught, or whatever we have thought that is not aligned to your word, we give you permission to correct it this morning. I don't know if I'm praying for all of you, but that's my prayer. <laughs> and if you say amen, then you agree with that prayer. <laughs> so I want to turn to Romans 6, and um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. Romans is a, gr a great book. It's one of the most comprehensive letters that Paul wrote um, in all his epistles, in fact. And Romans really dealt with a couple of things that I believe the Father's, the Father's house stands for. Romans deals with a multi-ethnic, multicultural church that was struggling at that time because they were made up of Jews and Gentiles, and they all had different opinions and different thoughts about how things should be. The Jews felt that all Gentiles should Follow circumcision. Thank you, Lord. We don't do that today. <laughs> um, not for reasons of law, you know. Um, the Jews felt that all Gentiles must um, abide to all the laws. And, um, and then you had the Gentiles, and they came into the church, and it's like you and me, we are Gentiles. Unless you're a Jew here this morning, and you can be. You can be a Messianic Jew, believe in Jesus. But, um, you know, the Gentiles is basically you and me. We, they came into the church and they had a whole different worldview. And Paul had to address the matter because the matter was far more greater than just a racial dispute. The matter was to do with the kingdom of God and God's original design that was lost in the Garden of Eden. What we're dealing with today in the world is nothing new. It's not like Satan has come up with different plans. His plans are all the same. Segregation, separation, division are all the same tactics throughout the history of mankind. And it all started in the garden. And so one has to wonder, what was the original design of man in how we walk before the Father and how we walk towards, with each other? And, um, and the whole gospel of Jesus is not only to bring salvation, which is bringing you back to God, but it's also to bring you into original design of how you are to live a life filled with God and then with others. How you love one another. How you, you know, these are the tough things. Eh? How you bear with each other. How you tolerate um, differences and work through that and or the fullness of the gospel lies within all of that. The restoration of the original intent or design of man and creation. 
And so, read with me, because Romans is filled with, with lots of jewels, but um, it's one of those books that you really need to study <laughs> to get everything of it. But I'm going to, with the help of the Holy Spirit, give you a couple of things that I believe is going to give you a bit of more clarity of why Jesus came. And so, verse 1, chapter 6, verse 1 says, What shall we say then? So Paul has been writing uh, before this all about death, the cycle of death, sin, what sin has done to mankind and why we are struggling. There's this battle of sin in the world. And then he comes to this place where he speaks about the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And he speaks about the life that we have in him. And he says, what shall we then say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And if you don't understand that, um, go back a few chapters and you'll see why he said that. And he says, by no means, right? He says, we are those who have died to sin. We isn't it? Man, we've already died to sin. You and I who are in Jesus, have already died to sin. You don't still need to try and kill that man. I've, I've been trying to live a life like that for many years, a Christian life of trying to kill the old man. If you, if you understand this word, that has already happened. It's not like it's still happening. You've already died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Verse 3, oh, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? In other words, Jesus didn't only die for you. He died as you. You see, there's no other sacrifice before Christ that could ever represent mankind. They could maybe, you know, replace, and it was all a um, temporary offering, a temporary solution, because the ram that came walking up on the other side of the hill, when Adam, when not Adam, Abram and Isaac, and Abram was about to kill his son and sacrifice Isaac, that ram could never represent Isaac. It was a ram. It was a temporary, always a temporary, because God knew that someone would have to go. Someone who would be man, who could stand against the, the, fall, the fallen state of this world, who could be like you and me, but still walk in victory over sin, would have to, would have to go and then die for you and me as you and me. It's the good news of the gospel. And so we were therefore buried with him, verse 4, through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God, of the Father, we too may live a new life. You see, salvation, I'm going to ask you to put up that first slide for me. Um, please. Salvation is only the entry point into the greater part of this whole event called crucifixion. And are we getting there? Okay. And so salvation has to lead you to new life. Salvation isn't the ultimate goal. In fact, if all you do is live at a point of salvation, you will be coming to the altar every week. To say, Lord, I failed you again. Go back tomorrow, maybe straight after the service, and you put on the old man's thoughts and put on the, and I'm going to explain that, how that works and why Paul um, tries to help us to understand who we really are so that we don't fall back into the old man habits. And then, you know, wait and come to Wednesday night, and if you're part of a growth group, which you should be, eh? you can't walk this walk alone. But you come to growth group and you just about made it, right? Man, it's been tough. Monday, Tuesday was hard. I know Didi spoke on this and that, but man, I suffered Monday, Tuesday. The devil was busy with me, man. 
Man, I tried to shake him off, but he was too strong. What a lie. Yeah, that's a lie of the enemy into the mind. I'm going to explain why I'm saying that. And so you just kind of get to growth group and then, you know, we pray for each other. And we love on one another and it's great. But then Thursday is there. Friday. <laughs> Ooh, don't know what Saturday. Like Saturday is probably like the worst, right? Keep away from the stuff. Got to be busy, Lord. Let me be busy so I can don't get to the stuff, you know. Oh, I can just wait for Sunday. Sunday, Lord. Sunday, Sunday. You know, I used to live my life like that. Yes, Sunday Christian. Only Sunday I feel holy because I'm with the holy people, you know. And the pastor says a few things that club me a bit, gee, and then I repent and I come back to Jesus. And it's almost like we crucify the old man over and over. It's almost as if we think that the old man needs to be crucified over and over. But my, my Bible says that it was once and for all. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. It's done. It's gone. Jesus said it is finished. It is done with. We should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free. You are actually a free person in Christ Jesus. You are free to walk the way Jesus walked, to live the way Jesus lived, to love the way Jesus loved. Verse 8 says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot, be, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Now listen to this. In the same way. In other words, just like that, in the same way, <laughs> count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. In other words, in the same way that Jesus died once and for all and was resurrected into new life, you have died with him and has been resurrected to life. And I know that many of you are wondering, but this is not my reality. What are you talking about? I don't feel victorious. Man, I, I'm, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to lie to myself. Tim, I'm a realist. Really? If, if, and I'm preaching, I know, but if this is not true, then you better tell me now. Because if reality is that this isn't true, then we're all in trouble. Then I think I'm without a job. <laughs> we might as well all pack up and go. It is true that you are free in Christ. It is true that sin has been eradicated once and for all, the bondage of sin. Capital S is in my Bible. You'll notice there are two S's. You didn't know that? Okay. When Paul speaks of the bondage of sin, he uses a capital S. Do you know why? Because the bondage of sin is the rule of Satan in where he had control over you. The smallest sin are those temptations that come. Temptation has no control over you. My Bible says that we can resist it. If it controlled you, you wouldn't be able to resist it. When temptation comes, you have the authority to say no. And we'll talk about that. How do you do that? But you first have to settle on the truth, the reality that is beyond maybe your reality this morning. That transcends maybe your understanding this morning. The reality of what God says. 
that in Christ you have been set free. So Jesus didn't only die for you, he died as you. And the event that we're looking at next week and we the event of the crucifixion, it was an event. It was a once-off event. It wasn't a process of ongoing crucifixions of Jesus or of you or of me. It was a once-off event. And that very event was, was, the, was the future judgment day brought into the present for those who believe in Christ. In other words, the Bible speaks about the day of judgment that is still to come. But Jesus took that day that was destined for you and me because of our sin, and he brought it into the present, and he said, I'm going to die as you, as though you are dying then on judgment day. I'm going to die as you right now, so that everyone, whether it was 2,000 years ago, by the way, Today, this year is the celebration of the 2,000 years since Jesus' death. And I found that out because I was asked to be part of a song <laughs> that was celebrating 2,000 years. They got all these various worship guys to join in from all over the world. I'll, I think Moreika's not here today, but we'll send, we'll send you guys the link to that. It's a beautiful song written by a friend of mine out in Sweden. And... Um, and so I found that, oh, this is actually officially the 2,000 years. I don't know. Somebody must have done their homework, you know, because I used to hear about 2,000 years. Eh? Plus minus 2,000. But I'm pretty sure today they could figure that out properly with all technology and things and information. 2,000 years ago when he died, he didn't just die for those that were sitting at the feet of the cross looking and wondering what is happening to our Messiah. 2,000 years ago, he died knowing that Fred, Margaret, you'll be sitting here today, that you'd be living in 2023. Mr. B turned 70. You know, he knew, Mr. B, that you would have a party that some of us were invited to. <laughs> no, we love you. <laughs> Listen, you know, what I find strange of parties, birthday parties, we have to pay for it. Like the birthday person has to pay for his own party. Guys, come on. Mm. Am I helping you? Mr. B? If we all just paid for it right there, what is that? Like hundred rand each? We could all be there. More? Okay, there we go. Plus a gift, plus a gift to the birthday boy. <laughs> but he knew, he knew 70 years of life would be celebrated. And I know, you, 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 how long are you a, a Christian? Follow Jesus, Mr. B? Plus, minus. No. <laughs> so this message is for you. <laughs> when, when did you give your heart to Jesus? Do you remember? 95. Do you know that Jesus, hanging on the cross, this, and I'm telling you, this, this, this must blow your mind. Because this is how much he loves you. He'd have seen you in 1995. Hey, Pete. He'd have seen you. Because he'd have said, I'm doing this as you. So that you can be free. And so the process of the crucifixion, there's no such thing. I used to believe that I wouldn't have to kill myself over and over. Paul says, die to yourself. I want to get into that quickly. What is transformation then, really? You see, if you keep Feeding your thoughts with the same thing, you will eventually believe it. And that's, that's just a principle in life. I mean, that, that is how God has designed your brain. That's why I know we have all these, what's it, uh, how many days does it take to break a habit, Jose? Is it 21? Is it uh, still 21? 
it's no longer, right? I heard, I heard, yeah. But it was originally 21 days. Look, we're probably figuring this out as well as men, you know. But the brain is wired by thoughts. Every single one of you. Doesn't matter how old you are, or young you are, or how young you think you are, or how old you believe you are, I don't know, you know. Like, I think that's just all in here, right? <laughs> your, your thoughts will develop your beliefs. What you feed yourself with every day will eventually become who you are. And so the transformation, really what Paul was referring to, was the renewal of the mind. And I'll read the scripture to you so you don't think it's Tim Feeder. That's Romans 12 verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. We all know the scripture. But how do you not conform? By the transformation. The, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And renewing is continuous. You continually have to every day, how do you diet yourself? Renew your mind. So, okay, what am I feeding my thoughts with? What am I feeding my mind with? And I realize if I keep feeding my mind with, with um, negativity, then I'll become a negative person. If I keep feeding my mind with the belief that I have no victory over sin, then I will continually, continually fall into sin. You see, it's because you've got to understand that it all, the battle starts in the mind. And so Paul explains this even further in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. And this is the key that I want to leave you with today. And I'm going to ask those that have got some words for us to come up. We demolish arguments and every pretension. The world is filled with arguments. Just you, If you have a social media account, Lord bless you, I'm tired. I'm actually trying to get rid of it now. Because I tell you, it's filled with arguments. My truth is my truth. As long as you, you respect my truth, I will respect your truth. Okay, But I don't agree with you. <laughs> We've become so smart, eh? that we're actually sounding more silly and sillier over the years. The, in other words, there's no absolute truth because as long as you believe what you believe and you leave me alone and don't put up stuff that I don't agree with because then I'm going to take you on. But I'm going to also respect you. <laughs> I'm going to clap you first and then I'm going to respect you. And um, what's, It's crazy. Every argument... Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. In other words, everything that Jesus has taught us in Scripture, in Revelation, the, not just the Logos word, but the Rhema word of God. As you walk with Jesus, he talks to you. He does. He, he, he talks to you. The Holy Spirit is in you. He guides you, tells you, don't do that deal. You don't know. Stay away from that person. <laughs> Stay away from there. Don't mess around there. Don't. The Holy Spirit is with you. And, and every pretension that comes up against the knowledge of God, the truth, the absolute truth of God. Paul says, I demolish. In other words, I have a responsibility as a new creation. I'm just going to go up here for one moment. As a new creation, I've got a responsibility because I still live in a body that is decaying. I still have a mind that, that is still most times um, fashioned to the old ways. And so I have a responsibility to say I'm going to demolish every, every thought, everything that comes into my mind that doesn't line up with truth, which is God's truth. And... He goes on, and I love the fact that he's a little bit more specific. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So in other words, and, and I'm talking about God's will in your life. You may be sitting here today, and you may be wondering, I don't know what to do with my life. You know, where, what do I do? Where do I go? What is God's will for me? What is God's will for my family? What is God's will for my, for my, my career? What is God's will for my relationship, my friends? 
everything that aligns to God's truth will give you clarity to know what God's will is. So if you're confused, then you're probably listening to things that are not lining up with the knowledge of God, the truth of God. And there are many. There are many not just outside the church. Unfortunately, there are many inside the church, the global church. You can put any YouTube video on. And not everything you hear, even in the name of Jesus, is truth. It can bring bondage into your life. It can open doors into your life. That you're wondering, why am I struggling with this stuff all of a sudden? Who you sit under, what you listen to, what you bring into your mind, if you're not careful, can eventually pollute the truth. How? Because God's word doesn't change. It can all sound good, but you've got to love them, accept them, even though they're different. Do you know, love and acceptance is very different to compromising the truth of God. Jesus loved on the prostitutes, and he even sat with them. But he never, ever compromised the word of God. He never, ever compromised the truth. In fact, he told them the truth, and he did it in love. There has to be absolute truth in the word of God. Otherwise, we're all in trouble. And I know this is not a popular message. And unfortunately, many have avoided to talk about absolute truth in today's world, even in the church, because it's, it's not well received in a culture of cancel, cancel culture. Uh, come on, right? Uh, so in other words, I don't know if you've heard of the cancel culture. You don't agree with me, you don't line up with me, you don't respect me, I cancel you, delete you. Um, until, you, until you compromise, right? Until you compromise and you're with me, then you can be part of me again. Yeah, Jesus never ever displayed that. Jesus didn't ever cancel culture. <laughs> you know who had a cancel culture? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the religious leaders. They cancel people out all the time. You don't dress like us. You don't look like us. You don't smell like us. You um, hypocrites. They call people, you know, and Jesus used the very same words they used on others, and he used it on them. And he said, you vipers, you know, you are hypocrites. Because you cancel the very people that God loves, the God is, that God is actually calling in. So the mind is where everything sits. And Paul says and continues in Philippians 4, verse 8. Sorry, sorry, let me finish off with 2 Corinthians. So we take captive every thought. Not the Spirit of God. Can I say that? You see, it's not the Holy Spirit in you that's taking the thoughts captive. No, He's going to help you by showing you, be careful. You see that? Watch out. Uh, do you need to watch this thing now? You know, Put it off. But you and I, this is transformation. This is what the life of a Christian is. And we, we say, oh, we bat no, we're not battling through this. We just got to do it, right? It's like, okay, so the thought comes. The thought coming is not the problem. The thought sitting and inhabiting the mind is the problem. The thought comes, and Paul says, take it captive. And then what did he say? He says, once you've taken it captive, Make it obedient to Christ. Okay. So now the thought comes and you say, hey, Holy Spirit is showing me this is not God and this is not good. So I'm going to capture you, stop you right there, before you inhabit my mind and consume me. I want to pray for people this morning who are not sleeping because you have thoughts that are consuming you. That is actually not aligning to the word of God. It's worrying. It's, um, 
anxiety. And it's nothing new under the sun. The devil's been doing this for many years. So you take it captive and you say, I'm going to bring you into obedience with Christ. In other words, this thought doesn't align with truth in Scripture, in the Word of God, in what Jesus said, and what He has revealed to me. If it's a no, I refuse you. Do you know that you have the same authority when somebody comes to you with a prophetic word? The Bible says you can judge the word. In other words, what, what is that? Same thing, right? Someone comes and they may have a good word, but it makes us go a little bit off. And that's human because we all see, see in part right now. And therefore the Bible says we prophesy in part. You have the same authority to say, thank you. And I do this. I'll, I'll say thank you. I'll take that word and I'll align it to scripture. And I'll align it to the peace of God that is living inside of me. And I'll then say, Lord, do I, do I partner with this word? Or do I actually? So some of, sometimes you take the bones and or what's it? take the meat, you spit out the bones. Thank you, Stephanie. You know, so you say, okay, I, I, I take this part because that aligns to what I believe the Lord is saying to me, but I don't. And you know what? I, I, I don't, I don't ever, unless the person asks me, sometimes they ask you, do you agree with this word? Now, I don't want to lie, so I'm going to be honest. I will be honest. I agree with you, but I don't agree with that. But thank you for your obedience in Christ to come and actually share that word. I still, I love you because you were obedient. If the person don't ask me, I actually don't say it. Do you know why? Because I don't need to. I don't have to. I rebuke you. Get away from me. I don't have to. Because I know that in this church, everyone operates in love. You're going to have to prove me wrong. And I know this might sound naive, but I choose to believe that my brothers and my sisters are operating in love. And so even if you rebuke me, which honestly I have no problem with, I can feel if it's love. And I can feel if it's not. I know all of you can too. And I would expect the same from the congregation towards our leaders. That if you feel it's love, you can embrace it. And if it lines up with the word of God, you can say amen. If it doesn't, thank you. I appreciate what you, what, what, that you pray for me. I appreciate that you thought of me, but I, I can't align to that one. And if it doesn't feel like love, then you must say no, thank you. And maybe come speak to me. <laughs> so Philippians 4, and I'm going to close with this quickly. Because this is the transformation, the battle of the mind. And I want you to know that you are a new creation. And you were probably wondering, Tim, that sounds nice, but why? What am I battling with? Philippians 4, right? 8 to 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, that's all of you, including me. Whatever is true. So there's that word again, truth. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. <sighs> Do you know the old self mindset? can easily pick up the wrongs around us. The old self mindset can easily see and be suspicious. Mm, what are you up to? What is, it, what, what is your gender? <laughs> the old set, old set mindset um, will, will, will always look at things through the lenses of, um, of judgment And so I'm, I'm, I'm always, the scripture challenges me, Lord, whenever I encounter someone, whatever is pure, whatever is admirable, whatever is noble, 
whatever is truth, whatever is praiseworthy. Have you ever thought of just praising someone, say, well done? <laughs> okay, well done, and let me give you the 10 list of things that you did wrong in that, whatever, right? And then I sandwich it with another, but Jesus loves you. No, no, no. If you can recondition, or let's say renew your mind to see the way God sees people, to see, to, to see the world the way God sees the world, I think you would be able to find things that are praiseworthy. Hey, Pete, things that are good. Things that are actually going to um, encourage and exhort others. And so he says, now, verse 9, Philippians 4, verse 9, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, the world is fighting for peace. And, and everybody is looking for it everywhere and anywhere. But I want to tell you, that true peace can only be found in Jesus when you live out the spirit-filled life that is actually died for, for you and as you. But Tim, the world is full of evil. The world is full of um, bad things. Are you saying we need to just ignore all these things? You know what I'm saying? Is that you don't have to consume your thoughts with those things. If Jesus saw the world that he came into in the reality state that it was in, he wouldn't be able to have finished his mission. He wouldn't have been able to walk from town to town talking about the goodness of God in a world that was really evil. And you just have to watch the passion of Christ to see how evil the Roman Empire was. And so I, I want to, I do want to pray, but I wanna, want to really encourage you. The good news of 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him, but you and I, we have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ that is in you needs to be nurtured with the things that God wants you to focus on. And so I want to pray quickly for those of you that may be battling with some thoughts and I don't know uh, what they may be, but I specifically want to pray for those that are restless at night. Um, and I'm going to ask you just to, just to raise your hands. And we're just going to, there's a few hands. Is a, just, um, I'm going to, Auntie Vaughn, you just stretch your hand out to your husband there. Anyone else? We're just going to, we're going to pray for you. There's a hand at the back. Can I get a few people there just to, Pete, you can also help me. And Auntie Veronica, you can also maybe help me there. Just keep your hand up so we can see where you are. And we're just going to pray. We're going to just. Pray for the mind of Christ to come on you. Um, anyone else? And maybe it's this anxiety. Maybe it's just, you know, you're worried. But there's a hand there, Pete, right there. But I know that the Lord wouldn't have had this if he wasn't thinking of you this morning. And all of us, but specifically those now raising their hands. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, right now. That, Lord, every thought that was not sent by you, that came with an agenda to bring confusion, anxiety, will be removed in Jesus' name. And so I just pray for the peace of God right now. And as we lay hands, we just declare peace over you. Declare peace. God's peace will rule and reign, not just today, 
But every single day that, Lord, whenever they wake up and they have these thoughts, that, Father, they will have the authority to take the thought captive. And I pray that you may find people that you can talk to. And I'm finding more and more that we need to, we need to talk. Eh? Men, women, we need to talk. Sometimes we, we're trying to, captive, to take these thoughts captive, but we, you know, maybe you're battling with that. Just speak to someone. Like Paul says, you know, if you find someone you can, you can just look, look to and say, man, I need, I need help here. And sometimes all you have to do is talk about it. And so I pray that the Lord will show you the people that you can talk to, people that you can confide in. And may the peace of God rule and reign in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask um, AD to come. And Razan, you still ready? Yeah, just during worship, um, I saw just a, uh, just a a storm. It's like a river coming uh, at people this morning. And then I heard Jesus said, are you willing to to reset? Are you willing to say, I don't know everything? Are you willing to say that, say, I want to be shaken for your glory? Are you willing to do that? Are you open to that? And the scripture that Jesus said that David actually prayed, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. And I will delight myself in your statutes and I will not forget your word. And I, I really sense this morning, no matter how successful you are, no matter how good you are, no matter how, when last you sinned, <laughs> I need to say that. You know, we all need Jesus. And the floor is open for Jesus to speak in the hearts this morning. Because he's saying, are you, are you willing to be shaken for your glory? For his glory. Amen. For his glory. Amen. I like to talk a lot, my... Spiritual parents will know, but when it comes to a crowd like this, I'm always nervous. But I'm just going to step out in faith. And Pastor Tom, I didn't sit with you yesterday or hear what you were gonna, the word's going to be today. Um, during worship, God is very funny. He gave me a picture of the road, the road that we're driving, the black road, but it was just this black road. With a white line, you know, not that streeper, streeper line, the solid white line. And and then I believe he's saying to me that we see ourselves like the black road. And he see he sees us this white line, pure. And righteous in his eyes because we've accepted him as our Lord and Savior. Pastor Tim said he knocks, you, you quoted that scripture, and we have a choice to open the door. So when we open the door for him, he comes and he cleans us from all our nonsense. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's just going to happen like, wow, I'm now holier than thou. And then we go through the whole sanctification process. I remember Auntie Margaret. <laughs> but yeah, we go through all of those things and we get our challenges. But our mind should be in line with the mind of Christ. And then you quoted Romans 6, which also came to mind during worship. So for me, like as you were preaching now, it was like, sure. This road that he gave us and what we think, we think that we're this black road. What we think is what we become and who we believe we are. And we walk this walk as Christians like that and condemn ourselves. And, it, and it's not from Christ. It's not from Jesus. He's already done it all. He said it's done. And we've accepted that and we walk, we walk with that. And we see ourselves as Father sees us. Because he loves us so much. And if we get the revelation of this love which I got for so many years, for a long time, of, I, I gave my life 
to the Lord 15 years ago, 119 something. But I recently had the revelation of the love of Christ for me. Recently, since I started studying actually. And because I've had that revelation, I know that that is how he sees me. So that black long road, you know what? And I even say to people, you see me that way, it's fine. I'm not holier than thou, but pray for me or, you know, that kind of thing. If I see people that is encouraging, I learn. And I do the Bible studies and I do the thing and I spend my time with the Father because I want him to, I want to change. I want people to see Jesus when they look at me. But I have to change my mindset and stop thinking that I'm the black road, but I'm rather the white line in the middle of the road on top of it. So I'm going to ask Veronica to join me. (laughs) Sorry, Veronica. We, We just messed the program up, you know. Thank you, Matt. Before you do that, I think we've got to pray. Is that okay? Yes. Can we pray together? Um, Lord, we are nothing without you. And this morning, Father, I pray that you, every heart in this place, will be encouraged to know that in you we have victory. In you, Father, we are a new creation. I speak over every mind, Lord, that they may know without a doubt that they are the loved ones of Jesus. You are the beloved, and that you are a son and a daughter of the Most High. And so I pray, Lord, that even as we step into this week, that we will have that authority, step into the authority to take every thought captive, to guard our hearts, guard our minds. That, Lord, what comes in, we are able to stop when at the entry point, not wait, Lord. And I pray that, Father, every person, every home will walk in the fullness of your peace. In Jesus' name.